welcome to the 16th episode of our very hairy podcast. I'm your reader, Talon, and let's get started. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone by J.K. Rowling. Read to you by Talon. Chapter 16, Through the Trapdoor. In years to come, Harry would never quite remember how he'd managed to get through his his exams when he half expected Voldemort to come bursting through the door at any moment. Yet the days crept by, and there could be no doubt that Fluffy was still alive and well behind the locked door. It was swelting hot, especially in the large classroom where they did their written papers. They had been given special new quills for the exams, which had been bewitched with an anti-cheating spell. They had practical exams as well. Professor Flitwick called them one by one into his class to see if they could make a pineapple tap dance across the desk. Professor McGonagall watched them turn a mouse into a snuff box. Points were given to points were given for how pretty the snuff box was, but taken the wi- but taken away if it had whiskers. Snape made them all nervous, breathing down their necks while they tried to remember how to make a forgetfulness potion. Harry did the best he could, trying to ignore trying to ignore the stabbing pains in his forehead, which had been bothering him ever since the trip to the forest. Neville Neville thought Harry had a bad case of the exam nerves because Harry couldn't sleep, but the truth was Harry kept being woken up by his old nightmare, except now it was worse than ever because there was a hooded figure dripping blood into it. Maybe it was because they hadn't seen what Harry had seen in the forest, or because they didn't have scars burning on their foreheads, but Ron and Hermione didn't seem as worried about the stone as Harry. The idea of Voldemort certainly scared them, but he didn't keep visiting them in in dreams and they were so busy with their studying that they didn't have much time to fret about what Snape or anyone else might be up to. Their very last exam was History of Magic. One hour of answering questions about batty old wizards who invented self-stirring cauldrons, and they'd be free. Self-stirring cauldrons, and they'd be free. Free for for a whole wonderful week until their exam results came out. When the ghosts of Professor Binns told them to put down their quills and roll up their parchment, Harry could help, couldn't help but cheering with the rest. That was easier, that was far easier than I thought it would be, said Hermione, as they joined the crowds flocking out into the sunny grounds. I needn't have learned about 1637, were, about the 1637 werewolf code of conduct or the or the uprising of elfic eager Hermione always liked to go through the exam papers afterwards but Ron said this made him feel ill so they wandered down to the lake and flocked under the, under the tree the Weasley twins and Lee Jordan were tickling the tentacles of a giant squid which was basking in the warm shallows no more studying 
No more studying. Ron sighed happily, stretching out on the grass. You could look more cheerful, Harry. We've got a week before we find out how badly we've done. There's no need to worry yet. Harry was rubbing his forehead. I wish I knew what this means, he burst out angrily. My scar keeps hurting. It's happened before, but never as often as this. Go to Madame Pomfrey, Hermione suggested. I'm not ill, said Harry. I think it's a warning. It means the danger's coming. Ron couldn't get worked up, but Ron couldn't get worked up, but it was too late. But it was it was too hot. Harry, relax. Hermione's right. The stone's safe as long as Dumbledore's around. Anyway, we've never had any proof. Snape Snape found out how to get past Fluffy. He nearly had his leg ripped off once. He's not gonna try it again in a hurry. And Neville will play Quidditch and Neville We'll play Quidditch for England before Hagrid lets Dumbledore down. Harry nodded, but he couldn't shake it off. A lurking feeling that there was something he'd forgotten to do. Something important. When he tried to explain this, Hermione said, That's just exams. I woke up last night and halfway, th- and halfway through my... I woke up last night and was halfway through my transfiguration notes before I remembered we before I remembered we'd done that one. Harry was quite sure the unsettling feeling didn't have anything to do with work, though. He watched an owl flutter towards the school towards the school across the bright blue sky. A note clamped in its mouth. Hagrid was the only one who ever sent him letters. Hagrid would never betray Dumbledore. Hagrid will never tell anyone will never tell anyone how to get past Fluffy. Never. But Harry suddenly jumped to his feet. Where we go where are you going? said Ron sleepily. I just thought of something. Harry said. He had turned white. We've got to go and see Hagrid now. Why? panted Hermione, hurrying to keep up. Don't you think it's a bit odd? said Harry, scrambling up the grassy slope. That what Hagrid wants more than anything that what Hagrid wants more than anything else is a dragon, and a stranger turns up who just happens to have a dragon egg in his pocket. How many people wander around with a dragon egg if it's against wizard's law? Lucky they found Hagrid, don't you think? Why don't I see it before? Why didn't I see it before? What are you talking about? said Ron. But Harry, sprinting across the grounds towards the forest, didn't answer. Hagrid was sitting in an armchair outside outside his house. His trousers and sleeves were wo- rolled up, and he, and he was shelling peas into a large bowl. Hello, he said, smiling. Finished your exams. Got time for a drink? Yes, please, said Ron, but Harry cut him off. No, we're, no, we're in a hurry, Hagrid. I've got to ask you something. You know that night when you won Norbert... What did the stranger you were playing cards with look like? Don't know, said Hagrid casually. He wouldn't take his cloak off. He saw the, th- he saw the three of them look stunned and raised his eyebrows. It's not that unusual. You get a lot of funny folk in the hogshead. That's one of the pubs down in the village. Might have been a dragon dealer. Miney. Might have been a dragon dealer, Miney. Might. Mightn't he? 
He never saw. I never saw his face. He kept his hood up. Harry sat, sank down next to the bowl of peas. What did you talk to him about, Hagrid? Did you mention Hogwarts at all? Might have come up, said Hagrid, frowning as he tried to remember. Yeah, he asked what I did, and I told him I was game I was gamekeeper here. He asked a bit about the sort of creatures I look after, so I told him, and I said what I always what I'd always really wanted was a dragon. And then I can't remember then I can't remember too well. Because he kept buying me drinks. Let's see. Yeah. Then he said he had a dragon egg. We could play cards for it if I wanted. But he had to reassure I, I could handle it. He didn't want to go to any old home. Didn't want it to go to any old home. So I told him after Fluffy, a dragon would, would be easy. And did he seem interested in Fluffy? Harry asked, trying to keep his voice calm. Well, yeah. How many three-headed dogs do you meet? How many three-headed dogs do you meet, even around Hogwarts? So I told him Fluffy's a piece of cake. If you know how to calm him down, just play, just play him a bit of music, and he'll go straight off to sleep. Hagrid suddenly looked horrified. I should not told you that. He blurted out. Forgot, forget I said it. Hey, where are you going? Harry, Ron, and Hermione didn't speak to each other. All at all, until they came to a halt in front of the entrance hall, which seemed very cold and gloomy after the grounds. We've got to go to Dumbledore, said Harry. Hagrid told us this, told that stranger how to get past Fluffy, and it was either Snape or Voldemort under that cloak. It must have been easy once he'd got Hagrid drunk. I hope Dumbledore believes us. Friends might back us up if Bane didn't. Friends might have backed us up if Bane didn't stop him. Where's Dumbledore's office? They looked around, as if hoping to see a sign pointing them in the right direction. They had never been told where Dumbledore lived. Nor did they know anyone who had been sent to see him. We'll just have, we'll just, we'll just have to, Harry began, and a voice suddenly rang across the hall. What are you doing? What are you three doing inside? Said Professor McGonagall, carrying a large pile of books. We want to see Professor Dumbledore. Said Hermione rather bravely. Harry and Ron. Said Hermione rather bravely. Harry and Ron thought. See Professor Dumbledore. Said Professor McGonagall. Professor McGonagall repeated, as though this was a very fishy thing to want to do. Why? Harry swallowed. Now what? Sort of a secret, he said, but he wished at once he hadn't because Professor Mc... because Professor McGonagall's nostrils flared. Professor Dumbledore left ten minutes ago, she said coldly. He received an urgent owl from the Ministry of Magic and flew off to London at once. He'd gone, said Harry frantically. Now, Professor Dumbledore is a very great wizard, Potter. He has He has many demands on his time. This is important. Something you have to say more important than the Ministry of Magic, Potter? Look, said Harry, throwing caution to the winds. Professor, this is about the Sorcerer's Stone. Whatever Professor, whatever Professor McGonagall had expected, it wasn't that. 
The books she was carrying tumbled out of her arms. She didn't pick them up. How do you know? She splurted. Professor, I think I know that that's that someone's going to try and steal the snow. Professor, I think I know that's I mean someone's going to try and steal the stone. I've got to talk to Professor Dumbledore. She eyed them with a mixture of shock and suspicion. Professor Dumbledore will be back tomorrow, she, she said finally. And I don't know how, I don't know how you find out found out about the stone, but rest assured no one can possibly steal it. It's too well protected. But Professor Potter, I know what I'm talking about, she said shortly. She bent down and gathered up the fallen books. I suggest all of you go back outside and enjoy the sunshine. But they didn't. It's tonight, said Harry, once he was sure. Once he was sure, Professor McGonagall was out of earshot. Snape's going through the trapdoor tonight. He's found out he's found out everything he needs. And now he's going now he's got Dumbledore out of the way. And now he's got Dumbledore out of the way. He sent that note. I bet the Ministry of Magic will get will get a real shock when Dumbledore turns up. For what can we Hermione gasped. Harry and Ron wheeled around. Snape was standing there. Good afternoon, he said smoothly. They stared at him. You shouldn't be uh, you shouldn't be inside on a day like this, he said he said with a cold, twisted smile. We were said Harry began without any idea what he was going to see say. Little. You want to be more careful, said Snape. Hanging around like this, people will think you're up to something. And Gryffindor really can't afford to lose any more points, can it? Harry, fl- Harry flushed. They turned to go outside, but Snape called them back. Be warned, Potter. Any more nighttime wonderings, and I will personally make sure you're expelled. Good day to you. He strode off in the direction of the staff room. He strode off in the direction of the staff room. Out out on the stone steps, Harry turned to the others. Right, here's what we got to do, he said, whispering urgently. One of us has got to keep an eye on Snape. Wait outside the staff room and follow him if he and follow him if he leaves it. Hermione, you'd better you'd better do that. Why me? It's obvious, said Ron. You can pretend to be waiting for Professor Flitwick, you know. He put in a high voice. Oh, Professor Flitwick, I'm so worried. I think I got a question I think I got question fourteen B wrong. Oh shut up, said Hermione. But she agreed to go and watch, and watch out for Snape. And we, and we'd better stay outside, outside the third floor corridor. Harry told Ron, "Come on." But the part of, but that part of the plan didn't work. <sighs> but that 
part of the plan didn't work. No, so no sooner had they reached the door separating Fluffy from the rest of the school than Professor McGonagall turned up again. Turned up again this time. She lost her temper. And this time, she lost her temper. I suppose you think you're harder... You're harder to get past than a pack of enchantments, she stormed. Enough of this nonsense. If I hear you come anywhere near here again, I'll take another 50 points from Gryffindor. Yes, Weasley, from my own house. Harry and Ron went back to the common room. Harry had just said... Harry had just... Harry had just said, at least Hermione's on Snape's tail... On Snape's tail... When the portrait of the fat lady swung open and Hermione came in. I'm so sorry, Harry, she wailed. Snape Snape came out and he asked me what I'm doing. I was doing and I was and I said I was waiting for Flitwick and Snape wanted to get him. And I've only just got away. I don't know where Snape went. Well that's it then, isn't it? Harry said. The other two stared at him. He was pale and his eyes were glittering. I'm going out, I'm going out of here tonight. I'm going to and I'm going to try and get the get to the stone first. You're mad, said Ron. You can't, said Hermione. After what Professor McGonagall and Snape have said, you'd be expelled. So what? Harry shouted. Don't you understand? If Snape gets a hold of the stone, Voldemort's coming back. Haven't you heard what it's like to, what it's like? What it was like when he was trying to take over. There won't be any Hogwarts to get expelled from. He'll flatten it or turn it into a school for the dark arts. Losing points doesn't matter anymore. Can't you see? Did you... Did you know he'll... Leave you... You think he'll leave you and your families alone if Gryffindor wins the House Cup? If I get caught... If I get caught before I can get the stone, well, I'll have to go back to the Dursleys and wait for Voldemort to find me there. It's only it's only a dying a bit later than I would have. Because I'm never going over to the dark side. I'm going through the, that trap door tonight and nothing you two can say can say is going to stop me. Voldemort killed my parents, remember? He glared at them. Right, Harry, said Hermione in a small voice. I'll use the invisibility cloak, said Harry. It's, it's just lucky I got it back. It's just lucky I got it back. But what will, but what will, but will it cover all three of us? Said Ron. All. All, all three of us. Oh, come off it. You don't think you're we're going to let you go alone? Of course not, said Hermione briskly. How do you think you'd get the stone without us? I'd better go and look through my books. There might be something useful. But if we get but if we get caught, you two will be expelled too. Not if I can help it, said Hermione grimly. Flitwick, Flitwick told me Told me in a secret that I, Flitwick told me in secret that I got 
that I got 150% on the exam. That I got 112% on his exam. They're not throwing me out after that. After, after dinner, the three of them sat nervously apart in the common room. Nobody bothered them. None of the Gryffindors had anything to say to Harry anymore, after all. This was the first night he hadn't been upset about it. Hermione was skimming through all her notes, hoping to come across one of the enchantments they were about to, about to try to break. Harry and Ron didn't talk much. Both of them were thinking about what they were about to do. Slowly, the room emptied as the people drifted off to bed. As people drifted off to bed. Better get the cloak, Ron murmured, muttered as Lee Jordan finally left, stretching and yawning. Stretching and stretching and yawning. Better go get, get the cloak, Ron muttered, as Lee Jordan finally left, stretching and yawning. Harry ran upstairs to the dark dormitory. He pulled out the cloak, and then his eyes fell on the flute Hagrid had given him once for Christmas. He pocketed it to use on Fluffy. He didn't feel much like singing. He ran back down to the common room. We'd better put the cloak on here to make sure it covers us, covers all three of us. If Filch spots us, one, Filch spots one of our feet wandering along, it's wandering along on its own. What are you doing? Said a voice behind. From the corner of the room, Neville appeared from behind an armchair, clutching Trevor the Toad, who looked as though he had been making, who, who looked as though he'd been making another bid for freedom. Nothing, Neville. Nothing," said Harry, hurriedly putting the cloak behind his back. Neville stared at their guilty faces. "You're not going out again," he said. "No, no," said Hermione. No, we're not. Why don't you go but No, we're not. Why don't you go to bed, Neville? Harry looked at the grandfather clock at, by the door. They couldn't afford to waste any more time. Snape might even now be playing Fluffy to sleep. You can't go out, said Neville. You'll be caught again. Gryffindor will be in even more trouble. You don't understand, said Harry. This is important. But Neville was clearly was clearly sailing himself to do something desperate. I won't let you. I won't let you do it," he said, hurrying to stand in front of them and stand in front of the portrait hole. "I'll I'll fight you, Neville," Ron exploded. "Get out of the way. Get away from that hole and don't be an idiot." "Don't you call me an idiot," said Neville. I don't think you should be breaking any more rules. And and you were the ones who told me to stand up to people. Yes, but not to us, said Ron in exasperation. Neville, don't you don't know what you're doing. He took a step forward and Neville dropped Trevor the Toad, who leapt out of sight. Go on then. Hit go on go on then. Try and hit me said Neville, raising his fist. I'm ready. Harry turned to Hermione. Do something, he said desperately. 
Hermione stepped forward. Neville, she said, I'm really, really sorry about this. She raised her wand. Partificus totalis, she cried, pointing it at Neville. Neville's arms snapped to his sides. His legs sprang together, his whole body rigid. He swayed where he stood and then fell flat on his face, stiff as a board. Hermione ran to turn him over. Neville's jaws were jammed together. He couldn't speak. Only his eyes were moving, looking at them in horror. What have you done to him? Harry whispered. It's the full body bind. It's the full body bind, said Hermione miserably. Oh, Neville, I'm so sorry. We had to, Neville. No time to explain, said Harry. You'll understand later, Neville, said Ron as they stepped over him and pulled on the invisibility cloak. But leaving, ne- but leaving Neville lying motionless on the floor didn't feel like a very good omen. In their nervous state, every statue's shadow looked like filch. Every distant breath, every distant breath of wind sounded like peeves swooping down on them. At the foot of this, at the foot of, of the first set of stairs, they spotted Mrs. Norris sulking near the top. Oh, let's kick her just this once, Ron whispered as Her- in Harry's ear, but Harry shook his head. As they climbed carefully around her, Mrs. Norris turned her lamp-like eyes on them, but didn't do anything. They didn't meet anyone else until they reached the staircase up to the third floor. Peeves was bobbing halfway up, loosening the carpet so that people would trip. Who's there? Who's there? He said suddenly as they climbed toward him. His eyes, he narrowed, he narrowed his wicked black eyes. I know you're there, even if I can't see you. Are you a ghoulie or a ghostie or a wee student beastie? He rose up in the air and floated there, squinting at them. Should I call Filch? Should call Filch, I should, if something's a creeping, creeping around unseen. Harry had a, had a sudden idea. Peeves, he said in a hoarse whisper. The, the bloody Baron has his own reason for being invisible. Peeves almost fell out of the air in shock. He caught himself in time and hovered about a foot off the stairs. So sorry, your bloodiness, Mr. Baron, sir, he said greasily. My mistake, my mistake. Didn't see you, of course. I didn't... Of course... I didn't see you, of course. I didn't hear invisible. Forgive old Peavy's for his little joke, sir. I have bus- I have business here, Peeves, spoke Terry. Stay away from this place tonight. I will, sir. I most certainly will, said Peeves, bracing up to the air again. Hope your business goes well, Baron. I'll not bother you. And he scooted off. Brilliant, Terry, whispered Ron. A few seconds later, there they were. Oh, a few seconds later, they were there. Outside the third floor corridor, and the door was already ajar. Well, there you are, said Harry quietly. Snape's already got past Fluffy. Snape's already got past Fluffy.
seeing the open door somehow seemed to impress upon un- all three of them, which was facing them. Seeing the open door somehow seemed to impress upon all three of them what was facing them. Underneath the cloak, Harry turned to the other two. If you two want to go back, I won't blame you, he said. You can take the cloak, I won't need it now. Don't be stupid, said Ron. We're coming, said Hermione. Harry pushed the door open. The door creaked. Low, rumbling growls met met their ears. The three dogs' noses sniffed madly in their direction, even though they couldn't see them. What's at its feet? What's at its feet? Hermione whispered. Looks like a harp, said Ron. Snape must have left, left it there. It must wake up the moment you stop playing, said Harry. Well, here, well, here goes. But Hagrid, he put Hagrid's flute to his lip and blew, lips and blew. It wasn't really a tune, but from the first note, the beat's eye, but from the first note, the beast's eyes began to droop. Harry hardly drew a breath. Slowly, the dog's growl ceased. It tottered on its paws and fell to its knees and slumped to the ground fast asleep. Keep playing, Ron warned Harry as they slipped out of, out of the cloak and crept towards the trap door. They could feel the dog's hot, smelly breath. Hot, smelly breath as they approached the giant, the giant heads. I think we'll be able to pull the door open," said Ron, peering over the dog's black head, back. Peering over the dog's back. To go first, Hermione. No, I don't. All right. Ron gritted his teeth and stepped carefully over the dog's legs. He bent and pulled the ring of the trap door, which swung and o- swung up and open. What can you see? Said Hermione said anxiously. Nothing, just black. There's no way I'm, no way of climbing down. We'll just have to drop. Harry, who was still playing the flute, waved at Ron to get his attention and pointed at himself. You want to go first? Are you sure? Said Ron. I don't know. I don't know how deep this thing goes. Give the flute to Hermione so she can keep him asleep. Harry handed the flute over. In a few seconds' silence, the dog growled and twitched. <clears throat> but the moment Hermione had began to play, it fell back to back into its deep sleep. Harry climbed over it and looked down through the trapdoor. There's no sign up at the bottom. He lowered himself through the hole until it was hanging on by his fingertips. Then he looked up at Ron's head and and said, if anything happens to me, don't follow. Go straight to the Owlery and send Hedwig to Dumbledore, right? Right, said Ron. See you in a minute, I hope. And Harry let go. Cold, damp air rushed past him as he fell down. Down, down, and flump. With a funny, muffled sort of thump, he landed on something soft. He sat up and felt around, his eyes not yet used to the gloom. It felt as though he was sitting on 
some sort of plant. It's okay. He called up to the light. Called up to the light. The size of a postage stamp, which was the open trap door. The soft landing. You can jump. Ron followed right away. He landed, sprawled next to Harry. What is this stuff? Were his first words. Don't know. Some sort of plant thing. I suppose it's I suppose it's here to break the fall. Come on, Hermione. The distant music stopped. There's a loud bark from the dog, but Hermione had already jumped. She landed on Harry's other side. We must be miles under the school, she said. Lucky this plant thing's here, really. But lucky this plant thing's here, really, said Ron. Lucky? shrieked Hermione. Look at you both. She leapt up and struggled toward the damp wall. She had to struggle because the moment she had landed, the plant started to twist snake-like twist snake-like tendrils around her ankles. As for Harry and Ron, their legs had already been bound tightly along the along the had already been bound tightly in long creepers without noticing. Hermione had managed to free herself before the plant got a firm grip on her. Now she watched in horror as the two boys fought to pull the plant off them. But there was more they strained against. But the more they strained against it, the tighter and faster the plant would wound around, wound around them. Stop moving, Hermione ordered them. I know what this is. It's Devil's Snare. Oh, I'm glad we know what it's called. Oh, I'm so glad we know what it's called. That's a great help, snarled Ron, leaning back, trying to stop the plant from curling around his neck. Shut up. I'm trying to remember how to kill it, said Hermione. Well, hurry up. We can't breathe, Harry gasped, wrestling with it as it curled around his chest. Devil snare, devil snare. What did Professor Sprout say? It likes the dark and damp. So light a fire! Harry, Harry choked. Yes, of course, but there's no wood! Hermione cried, wringing her hands. Have you gone mad? Ron bellowed. Are you a witch or not? Oh, right! Said Hermione as she whipped out her wand, waved it, muttered something, and said a jet and set a jet of the same blue flame she had used on Snape and and set sent a jet of the same blue flames she had used on Snape at the plant. In a matter of seconds the two boys fell felt it loosening. In a matter of seconds, the two boys felt it loosening its grip as it cringed away from the light and warmth, wriggling and flailing, wriggling and flailing. It's un- it unraveled itself from their bodies, and they were able to pull f- free. Lucky you pay attention in herbology, Hermione," said Harry as he joined her by the wall, wiping the sweat off his face. "Yeah," said Ron, and. Lucky Harry doesn't lose his head in a crisis. And Lucky Harry doesn't lose his head in a crisis. There's no wood. Honestly. 
this way, this way, said Harry, pointing down the stone passageway, which was on, which was the only way forward. All they could hear apart from their footsteps was the gentle drip of water trickling down the walls. The passageway sloped down, downward, and Harry was reminded of Green Gots. With an, with an unpleasant jolt of the heart, he remembered the dragon. He remembered the dragon said. To, uh, he remembered the dragon said to be guarding the vaults in a wizard's bank. They met a dragon, a fully grown dragon. Norbert had been bad enough. Can you hear something? Ron whispered. Harry listened. A soft rustling and clinking seemed to be coming from up ahead. Do you think it's a ghost? I don't know. Sounds like wings to me. There's a light ahead. I can see something moving. They reached the end of the passageway. They we- they reached the end of the passageway and saw before them a brilliantly lit chamber. Its ceiling arching high above them. It was it was full of a small jeweled it was full of small jeweled bright birds fluttering and tumbling all around the room. On the opposite side of the chamber was a heavy wooden door. You don't think they'll attack us if we cross the room, said Ron. Probably, said Harry. They don't look very vicious. But I suppose if they all swoop down at once, well, there's no other choice. I'll run. He took a deep breath, covered his face with his arms, and then sprinted across the room. He expected to feel sharp beaks and claws tearing at him at any second, but nothing happened. He reached the door untouched and pulled the handle. It was locked. The other two followed him. They tugged tugged and heaved at the door, but it wouldn't budge. Not even when Hermione tried the Alohomora charm. Now what? said Ron. These birds, they can't they they can't be for here just for decoration, said Hermione. They watched the birds soaring overhead, glittering. Glittering? They're not birds Harry said suddenly. They're keys winged keys. Look carefully. So that must mean... He looked around. The chamber... He looked around the chamber, while the other two squinted up at the flock of keys. Yes, look, broomsticks. We've got to catch the keys. Catch the key to the door. But there's hundreds of them. Ron exclaimed. Ron examined the lock on the door. We're looking for a big, old-fashioned one, probably silver, like the handle. They each seized a broomstick and kicked off into the air, soaring into the midst of the cloud, midst of the cloud of keys. They grabbed and snatched the bewitched keys, darted and dived so quickly it was almost impossible to catch one. Not for nothing, though. Not for nothing. Though Harry. Though Harry was the youngest seeker in a cent- in a century, so he had a knack for spotting things other people didn't. After a minute's weaving about, weaving about through the whirl of 
through the whirl of rainbow feathers. He noticed a large silver key that had a bent wing, as if it had been already caught and stuffed roughly through into a keyhole. That one, he called to the others. That big one, there. No, the one with the bright, bright blue wings. The feathers all are all crumpled on one side. Ron went speeding in the, in the direction that Harry was pointing. Crashed to the ceiling and nearly fell off his broom. We have to get close. We have to get close in, close in on it. We have to get close in on it. Harry called, not taking his eyes off the key with the damaged wing. Ron, you come, you come at it from above. Hermione, you stay below, and now, stay below. It will stop it from going down, and I'll try to catch it. Right, and I'll try to catch it. Right, now. Ron dived. Hermione rocketed upward. The key dodged them, dodged them both, and Harry streaked after it, sped towards the wall. Harry leaned forward with a nasty crunching noise, and with a nasty crunching noise, pinned it against the stone, against the stone with one hand. Ron and Hermione's cheers echoed around the high chamber. They landed quickly, and Harry ran to the door. The key struggling in his hand, and he rammed it into the lock, and it turned. It worked. The moment the lock had clicked open, the key took flight, um, took flight, again. Looking very battered now, it had been caught twice. Ready? Harry asked the other two, his hand on the door, his hand on the door handle. They nodded. He pulled the door open. The next chamber was so dark they couldn't see anything at all. But as they stepped into it, light suddenly flooded the room and to reveal an astonishing sight. They were standing on the edge of a huge chessboard behind chessboard behind behind black chessmen, which were all taller than they were, and carved from what looked like black stone facing them. They were standing on the edge of a huge chessboard behind them, behind the black chessmen, which were all taller than they were, which were all taller than they were, carved from what looked like black stone facing them. Facing them, way across the chamber were the white pieces. Harry, Ron, and Hermione shivered slightly. The towering white chessmen had no faces. Now what do we do? Harry whispered. It's obvious, isn't it? Said Ron. We've got to play our way across the room. Behind the white pieces, they could see another door. Behind the white pieces, they could see another door. How? said Hermione nervously. I think we're supposed. We're, we're going. I think, Ron said, we're going to have to be chessmen. He walked up to a black knight and put his hand to touch the knight's horse. At once, the stone sprang to life. The horse pawed the ground and the knight turned his helmet, his helmeted head, to look down at Ron. Ron, do we, er, have to join you to get across? The black knight nodded. Ron turned the, to the other two. This needs thinking about, he said. I suppose we've got to take the place, take the place of three black pieces. Harry 
and Hermione stayed quiet, watching Ron think. Finally, he said, Now don't be offended or anything, but neither of you are that good at chess. We're not offended, said Harry quickly. Just tell us what, what to do. Well, Harry, you take the place of that bishop, and Hermione, you go there and serve a castle. What about you? I'm going to be a knight, said Ron. The chessmen seemed to to have been listening because the, at these words, a knight, a bishop, and a, ca and a castle turned their backs on the white pieces and walked off the board, leaving three empty squares that Harry, Ron, and, and Hermione took. Why always plays first in chess? Said Ron, peering across the board. Yes, look. The white pawn had moved forward two squares. Ron started to, to direct the black pieces. They moved silent, silently wherever he sent them. Harry's knees were trembling. What if they lost? Harry moved diagonally four squares to the right. The first real shot came when the other knight was taken. The white queen smashed, smashed him to the floor and dragged him off the board, where he lay quite still face down. Had to let had to let that happen, said Ron, looking shaken. Leaves you free to take that bishop. Hermione, go on. Every time one of their men was lost, the white pieces showed no mercy. Soon there was a huddle of limp black players slumped against the wall. Twice, Ron only just noticed in time that Harry and Hermione were in danger. He himself darted around the board, taking almost as many white pieces as they had lost black ones. We're nearly there, he muttered suddenly. Let me think, let me think. The white queen, the white queen turned her blank face toward him. Yes, said Ron softly. It's the only way. It's got to be taken. No! Harry, Hermi Harry and Hermione shouted. That's just, snapped Ron. You gotta make some sacrifices. I'll make my move and she'll take me. That leaves you free to checkmate, to checkmate the king, Harry. But, do you want to stop Snape or not? Ron! Look. If you don't hurry up, he'll be—he'll have the stone. There's there was no alternative. Ready? Ron called, his face pale but determined. Here I go. Now don't hang around if once you've won. Harry, he stepped forward, and the white queen pounced. She she struck Ron hard across the head with her stone arm, and he crashed to the floor. Hermione screamed, but stayed on her square. The white, the white queen dragged Ron to one side. He looked as if he'd been knocked out. Shaking, Harry moved three spaces to the left. The white king took off his crown and threw it at Harry's feet. They had won. The chessmen parted and bowed, leaving the door ahead clear. With one last desperate look back at Ron, Harry and Hermione charged through the door and up the next passageway. What if he's... He'll be alright, said Harry, trying to convince himself. Trying to convince himself. What do you reckon's next? <coughs> <coughs> We've had Sprout.
that was the devil's snare, split wicks, mustard punch charms, and the keys, and Gonagol transfigured the chessmen to make them alive, that leaves Quirrell, Smelt, Spell, and Snake. They have reached an another door. Alright. Harry whispered. Go on. Alright. Harry whispered. Go on. Harry pushed Harry pushed it open. A disgusting smell filled their nostrils, making making them both pull the robes up over their noses. Eyes watering they saw flat on the floor in front of them. A troll, even larger than the one they had tackled, out cold with a bloody lump on its head. I'm glad we didn't have to fight that one, Harry whispered, as they stepped carefully over one of its massive massive legs. Come on, I can't breathe. He pulled open the next door, both of them hardly daring to look at what came next. But there was nothing very frightening. But there was nothing very frightening in here. Just a table with seven differently shaped bottles standing on a line. Snape's, said Harry. What do we have to do? They stepped over the threshold, and immediately a fire sprang up behind them in the doorway. It wasn't an ordinary fire either. It was purple. And the at the same instant, black flames shot up the doorway leading onward. They were trapped. Look! Hermione seized a roll of paper lying next to the bottles. Harry looked over her shoulder and read it. To read it. Danger lies before you, while safety lies behind. Two of us will help you, whichever you you would find. One among us, one among us, seven will let you, one among us, Seven will let you move ahead. Another will transport the drinker back instead. Two among our number, among our number, hold nettle, hold only nettle wine. Three of us are killer, killers, waiting hidden in the line. Choose unless you wish to stay here forever. To help your choice, we will give you clues. We will give you these clues for. To help you in your choice, we give you these clues for. First, however, however slyly the potion tries to hide, you will always find some. Find some on the nettles, on the nettle wine's left side. Second, different. Second, different are those who stand at either end. But if you would move onward, neither is your friend. Third, as you see clearly, all are different size. Neither dwarf nor giant holds death on their insides. Neither dwarf nor giant holds death in their insides. Fourth, the second left, and second on the right, are twins once you taste them. So different at first sight. We are going to take a little break. from our break so where we left off was the poem I think so let's get start let's get started 
Hermione let out a great sigh, and Harry, amazed, saw that she was smiling. The very last thing he felt like doing. Brilliant, said Hermione. This isn't magic, this is logic. A puzzle. A lot of the greatest wizards haven't got an ounce of logic. They'd be stuck here forever. But so will we, won't we? Of course not, said Hermione. Everything we need is here on the paper. Seven bottles, three are poison, two are wine, one will get us safely through the black fire, and one will get us back through the purple. How do we know which to drink? Give me a minute. Hermione read the paper several several times. Then she walked up and down then she walked up and down the line of bottles, muttering to herself and pointing at them. At last she clapped her hands. Got it, she said. The smallest bottle will get us through the black fire towards the stone. She looked Harry looked at the tiny bottle. There's only enough for one of us, he said. That's hardly one swallow. They looked at each other. Which one which one will you get back through which one will get you back through the purple flames? Hermione pointed at a round bottle on the right on on the at a rounded bottle at the right end of the line. You drink that, said Harry. No, listen. You get back to Ron, grab rooms and from the flying key room. They'll get you out. They'll get you out the trap door and past Fluffy. Go straight to the alley and send head, head, send Hedwig to Dumbledore. We need him. I might be able to hold Snape off for a while, but I'm no match for him, really. But Harry, what if you know who's with him? Well, I was lucky once, wasn't I? He said, pointing to his scar. Might get lucky again. Hermione's lip trembled. And she suddenly dashed at Harry and threw her arms around him. Hermione, Harry, you're a great wizard. Do you, you're a great wizard. You know, I'm not as good as you," said Harry, very embarrassed that as she let go of him. "Me," said Hermione. "Books and cleverness—they are more important things. Friendship and bravery, and oh, Harry, do be careful. You drink first," said Harry. "You are sure which is which, aren't you? Positive." said Hermione. She took a long drink from the round one, from the round bottle at the end, and shuddered. It's not poison, said Harry anxiously. No, but it's like ice. Quick, go before it wears off. Good luck. Take care. Go. Hermione turned and walked straight through the purple fire. Harry took a deep breath and picked up the smallest bottle. He turned around to face the black flames. Here I come. He said. He drained the little bottle in one gulp. It was indeed a, as though ice was flooding his body, but he put the bottle down and walked forward. He braced himself, saw the black flames. Saw the black flames licking his body. He couldn't feel them. For a moment, he could see nothing but the dark fire. Then he was on the other side in the last chamber. There was already someone there, but it wasn't Snape, it wasn't even Voldemort.
the 16th episode of a very hairy podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Bye-bye.